Good morning, good morning. And it's not Lizzie, as you can tell. Um, I'm Fiona, and I'm really thrilled to be here because the baptism was, as Carolyn said, absolutely extraordinarily wonderful in every single way. If you read the Gospels, you see that everyone wanted to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Even his enemies were intrigued by him. He was one of those people who drew crowds around him wherever he went. And some of them were chasing miracles, but all of them wanted to hear what he would say next. His teaching was new and refreshing. They hung on his every word. They didn't always like what they heard, but there was always something irresistible about him. And it was hard to pinpoint what made him so special. In many ways, he was just an ordinary man, the carpenter's son. But his fame quickly spread far and wide. He was the kind of man that if you spent any time in his company, you might find yourself spilling your deepest secrets to him, except that somehow he clearly knew you already. He was someone you couldn't predict, yet someone you would instinctively trust, unless you were up to no good, because you couldn't fool him if you tried. And we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount. It's full of wisdom which we all need to hear in order to live our lives well. And some of it is uncomfortable. That's because we're not always ready to hear the truth. But sometimes we need to hear the truth, right? And sometimes when you stand in front of Jesus, it feels as if his eyes are looking right inside you. So loving, but so penetrating. Like he knows the best of you, but he also sees the worst. And you so desperately want him to say that he's pleased with you. You desperately want him not to mention the things that are wrong, but you know that he knows and that's why the Pharisees and the teachers of the law squirmed in Jesus' presence, because they knew that he knew them for who they were. They knew he could expose them at any moment. And ironically, Jesus wanted to save them. Whenever they let him into their lives, he did. And you see, we need to recognize the truth about ourselves before we can be saved from it. We have to acknowledge who we are and be genuinely sorry about what is wrong before we can be released from it. And that's the reality of this thing that we call sin, from which Jesus came to set us free. Free from all the nasties that furkle around inside us, which surface from time to time with such devastating effect, damaging our lives and the lives of those around us. And it's oh so wonderful when Jesus looks at you and smiles that deep smile of his and says, precious child, I love you. It's like a hug from your favorite relative. It's like coming home to your favorite place on earth and knowing that you never have to leave it again. That's who Jesus is. But he won't stop speaking truth into your life at regular intervals, because we need it if we're to stay free. 
And this is where we come to today's reading. It's near the end of a famous sermon that Jesus gave. And the crowds were always gripped by Jesus' teaching. Whenever he spoke, it was never boring. If the people had had a seat, they would have been on the edge of it. Instead, they crowded close on the mountainside, desperate to hear what Jesus was saying. And this time, Jesus was giving them three warnings. Warnings against following the wrong path, warnings against following false teachers, and warnings about false disciples. And Jesus presents each warning in the form of contrasts and opposites. And I'll spend some time on the first one and less time on the rest, just so you know where I'm going. And the first warning concerns finding the right path and avoiding the wrong one. There are two routes and two destinations. One lives to, leads to destruction and the other to life. One road is broad and has a wide gate. It's easy to find. The other road is narrow and the gate is small. It requires careful searching to find it. One road is popular. It takes little effort. Because it's easier, it's crowded. Many people go through the wide gate, but only a few will find the small gate. It requires more effort. Moreover, those who choose the narrow road will find that it is costly. The word Jesus uses for narrow also means suffering. Jesus leads us under no illusion. He gives us a clear warning that this path is hard. Hard, yes, but the reward is life that rich, full life that only Jesus can give. Because Jesus himself is the gate. In John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So how do we find the gate? How do we find Jesus? Well, one way is to spend time with people who know him. Years ago, we met a lovely German family at a wedding, and we continue to be good friends. They love hiking, and they've dragged us for miles up and down hills and valleys in different parts of their beautiful country. And they've always been much fitter than me, so we would get into that pattern where they would race ahead and Joe and I would follow because Joe was too much of a gentleman to leave me behind. And our friends would stop and wait for us, but as soon as we caught up with them, they would move on, rested and refreshed, while I stood there wheezing and panting. It felt like I was always playing catch-up. And on one particular walk, the path was easy to begin with, but it gradually grew harder and steeper. At one point, the path was completely blocked by enormous boulders. It looked impenetrable. But our friends had done this walk before many times, and they reassured us that there was a way through. It was only when they pointed it out to us and we looked more closely that we could see this tiny gap between the rocks. It wasn't at all obvious. Here's the thing. 
If Joe and I had been by ourselves, we could have used maps to get as far as the boulders. But the maps didn't show the gap between the rocks. Without the local knowledge, it's most unlikely we would have got any further. Even if we had noticed the gap, we probably wouldn't have trusted it to be a safe way through. Because you could only see part way in, there was no way of knowing how far the passageway went. Almost certainly, we would have decided to turn back. In the same way, when we're looking for the right path through life, it's so much easier when we have people around us to guide and support us at the moment that we need it. This doesn't mean we cannot find the way by ourselves. Sometimes Jesus speaks directly to us and our lives are changed without any involvement from anyone else. But it's far more usual that Jesus uses different people as well as circumstances to guide us to him. So if you're interested in finding Jesus and finding that path for yourself, look for people who already know him and love him. Let them guide and help you. And above all, ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. As Kerry reminded us last week, hide and seek is God's favorite game and he loves to be found. Anyway, Back to our friends and that gap in the rocks. I'm not the tiniest person, and I seriously wondered if I would get through at one point. I honestly thought that the other three would make it and I would be the one left behind. And we pushed our way in to find we could only squeeze through it if we went in sideways. I had totally forgotten that I had a rucksack on my back. To everyone's amusement, it got wedged on the rock behind me. My face was centimetres away from the rock in front of me. I was well and truly stuck. It took a lot of wriggling and jiggling in a very confined space to extricate myself. To be on the safe side, I took off my jacket, then I took off my jumper, anything to make me less bulky. Suddenly, I was through, while Joe followed behind, carrying my rucksack in his hand, ever the gentleman. Our friends always tease me that whenever we go out, I always carry so much with me. I'm prepared for every eventuality, but my bag is always jolly heavy and it definitely slows me down. Whenever we leave the house, my husband always says, darling, have you got the kitchen sink? And then if I say yes, because I know he's just asking me if I got everything, he says, have you got the plug? But I really do carry everything around with me. People know me as the bag lady. My bag is always heavy and it always slows me down. And this made me think, what are we carrying that might prevent us from going through that narrow gate? What might be holding us back or slowing us down on that narrow road? What might God be asking you to put down or to leave behind? Sometimes it's the sin I've spoken about that weighs us down. 
And we can deal with this by having an honest conversation with Jesus. Or we may be holding on to anger or unforgiveness after being hurt by someone else. This too can slow us down and weaken our enthusiasm for the journey. And we also need to let this go. And I'm not saying this lightly. I know what it is to be hurt, but I also know the release that comes from letting go of my pain and my right to revenge. Never seek revenge. It only adds to the damage. My mum used to say, another wrong doesn't make a right. Sometimes it's my independence that holds me back. I say to myself, I am sufficient, when in reality I'm not. I need God to strengthen me in my weakness. It's when we allow Jesus to fill us with his life that we realize how incomplete we are without him. Sometimes it's our priorities that are in the wrong place. We're too busy to give any time to God. We're enthralled and distracted by many things. The danger is life will fly by and we'll miss out on knowing the blessings of knowing Jesus and that abundant life that he offers us. Finally and briefly, Jesus warns us to be careful about who we listen to. Today, he would add, be careful what you watch because some sources cannot be trusted. Jesus isn't talking here about someone who misleads you by accident. He's talking about people who deliberately set out to mislead and cause mischief. And they look like sheep, but in reality they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They sound perfectly plausible, but in truth they just want to rip you to pieces. A bit like scammers and people who propagate fake news. People who engage in this type kind of behavior are usually doing it for their own advantage, not for the advantage of those they deceive. Whether this be about power, money, or any other kind of abuse, how do we recognize these people? Look at the fruit, Jesus says. Look at their character. If someone is filled with God's grace, their character, their lives, and their deeds will match their words. If not, the opposite is true. And we need to be especially wary of people who abuse their position to seek glory and build a platform of power and significance for themselves. For the glory, the honor, the power, and the significance belong to God alone. In the same way, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is a true follower of Jesus. And once again, the test is the fruit that they bear in their lives. Anyone can say the right words and appear to be doing the right thing, but do their inward characters and attitude match up? We cannot play games with God, for he sees everything and he knows everything. But for everyone who genuinely seeks God, the reward is greater than we can ever imagine. Nothing else compares to it. As St. Peter once said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So if you've not got them on already, 
I encourage you to find your walking boots and join in. It's an amazing journey. Amen.